Hi, this is Wendy Steinberg and welcome to the coffee celebration. Today I have Jamie Handley and she is actually in my home state of Colorado right now. And I told her earlier that I wanted to sniff the screen so that I could just smell my mountain air. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm not coveting. I'm not jealous. It's not a good sign. It's not good on me. It doesn't look good. But anyway, she is an author. She's a life coach. I believe we both went through the Kathy Heller made to do this, right? We did. So um, we have a lot of, um, I guess, things in common that route. And I'd love to hear why you decided to embark on that journey. But tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from originally. And, um, you know, we'll go from there. Sounds good. Well, yeah, so I'm from California originally, the lovely city of Pasadena, where the Rose Parade happens every year. Is it really cool? Is it really, I mean, like, do you... Do you camp out for a spot? Like what's people that like? did. There were there were people that did that. My sister being one of them. Um, <laughs> I I'm a comfort. Well, this is funny. I'm a creature of comfort, but now living in a way that's not very comfortable. But I was not one to do that overnight. But I remember many mornings with coffee and hot chocolate in hand, um, walking at four a.m. up the hill, the two miles to get a good spot to watch it at. You know, four or five in the morning. So yes, it's worth it. And we have not yet taken our girls, which is just shameful. It really so that's is yes. on the bucket list. Hmm. Um, okay. So that's, that's where I'm from. That's the area I'm from. Uh, did school out there in Los Angeles and then uh, did, went to seminary in Pasadena. So I kind of stayed there. It was like a home, home city girl. till I met my husband. And then we, after getting married and having our first child, when she was six months, we moved to Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. I don't, you know, uh, we followed some dear friends who were planting a church out there and we just said, Hey, we're going to kind of do this crazy thing. We're going to try this out. Uh, California, LA is fast paced, man. Is it fast paced? And we were kind of looking to slow down a little bit and, you know, we had started a family. And so, so we, um, that's, that's been home for the last 12 years in April, we sold our home and hit the road. So we've been traveling with our kids full time. We have three daughters for the last six months. We just realized that we just hit six months. So what are you traveling in? A travel trailer, 31 foot. So we have five people, people, a hundred pound dog and a cat in the travel trailer, Wendy. And they're girls. Okay. So, oh my God. And one of them turned 12 on this journey. So, you know, we're hitting new milestones. So 12, nine and four. Soon oh, to be wow. 12, 10 and five. So yeah. Yeah. So, okay, that's so me. let me backtrack because I have so many <laughs> questions. Okay. So did you know in college, cause you know, college is still part of my wheelhouse. I yep. love it. Yep. Did you know in college you wanted to go into um, the clergy? Like, did you know that? No, 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 no. I went in to, I went to UCLA as like an, well, I actually went in as a science major and had such a hard time my first quarter that I came home crying and said, I'm going to do this. I just want to do my books. I want to do English. And my family said, great, go ahead. So I was an English major and um, no, but I had a really um, intense experience with God my senior year of college. And I was like, tell me, tell me, tell me. Yeah. You can't I, just I, say intense. I know, I know. You know, I think there were, you know, you have those seasons in life where like multiple things will kind of come together at once. And so I had had um, some childhood trauma that I was working through and I had been dating a guy. And then I had kind of had this experience where I got a thing in the mail for a church. I hadn't gone to church in years. And I was like, this church looks cool. I'll go and just had a whole community of people come around me in a season where I was really, really needing people. And uh, through that experience, I was like, well, if this is what, I didn't know that's what church was. If this is what this faith thing is, if this is people loving on me, no matter what I'm in, uh, which I hadn't experienced before. And so it was a whole new thing of like, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of loving on people like that. And that led me, I was kind of at that place in my life. It was, you know, finished college, ended up breaking up with the boyfriend and what am I doing? And it was like, I could go do graduate studies in English. That was kind of my trajectory. I wanted to like get a PhD and teach college or I could kind of go do this crazy thing of like, let me, this person who hasn't been in church in six years, go to seminary where all the church people live. And I didn't want to be clergy. I didn't even want to be a pastor. I just wanted to go explore this faith thing. Okay. So work. yeah, I, I'm sorry to interrupt because this is your podcast. Um, woo! Okay. So anyway, um, 
are there, aren't there certain denominations where women cannot take part? So like, you're telling me you're having this amazing experience and I'm thinking like, aren't there limitations? Like, sure. I don't yeah, know. Oh, look at me go Jewish girl. You okay, were on it. You're on it. See, <laughs> girls know. Um, so I chose a seminary to be honest with you. I, I grew up in Christian school. And so there's this very well-known seminary in my hometown called Fuller Theological Seminary. A lot of my par- uh, friends' parents went there if they were doing studies and, you know, anything from, uh, I mean, there are ethics, there's missions, there's psychology. It's a very well-rounded oh, seminary. Very broad. Very broad. Um, okay. And there, it's, it's a funny place when you go at least the president at the time when he did kind of his welcoming speech, this is how he described it. Some of you are going to come here and everybody in your life has told you, how could you go to such a conservative seminary? They're so conservative. He said, others of you have come here and everyone said, how could you go to such a liberal seminary? Because they were right in the middle. So we had Catholics. It was largely Presbyterian, but Catholics, Presbyterians, Baptists. We had some Mormon students. It was the gamut. Um, We had speakers come in from every faith background. So it was one of the only seminaries that I know of that had people on staff who very much believed that the Bible taught that women should be teaching. Okay. Okay. So you had a little bit more. That's why the people who kind of came from more conservative background were like, how could you go to Fuller? They let women preach. So it was an interest. And see, I be not having been in church for six years, totally naive to all this. I just kind of was like, well, I had this awesome God experience and I want to go deeper. And I got thrown into the deep end. So, um, so yes, to answer your question, it was an, it was a a seminary that affirmed women in ministry. That's amazing. Yeah. And so then when you got there, I mean, did you have to interview like other things you do because it's graduate school, you come out with a master's. So I have a master's in theology. Um, so yeah, all the things. So is there a specific part of theology? Like, are you talking about biblical women or like where, like, cause don't you have to have a focus? So there were a couple different, so you could go in and do biblical studies. You choose old Testament or new Testament. You would choose, you know, are you going to talk about ethics? Or you, I mean, you choose a focus. Then there was the, the degree that was for people like me who wanted just abroad. And so it was called a, a master of arts in theology. And so it was everything from church history, ethics. We studied Greek. We studied, you know, Hebrew. We studied, it was just this very broad, incredibly overwhelming, hardest thing I've ever done uh, degree. So, yeah. And is that where you met your husband? It is. Mm-hmm. And what was he studying? He was also doing his master's in theology. I believe we were doing the same degree track. He was a little bit ahead of me. His name is Joseph. And so he was not only ahead of me in school, but he's a, a fair bit ahead of me in years as well. We're 11 years apart. So, uh, you know, there, there were plenty of lovely, young, immature men on the campus, but I was very grateful to find somebody who was a little older and yeah. had worked, worked some stuff out, I will say. That's lovely because, you know, my parents were 14 years apart and really? yeah, and this was back in the early sixties and, you know, it, it, and they stuck, I mean, the 43 years before one of them passed and it was like, you know, it, it, it's more than just age. So yes, it is very much so. So was he a pastor then or what, how did he take his degree and integrate it into a career? So he was for the very longest time, a musician. So he's a musician. So worship leader, you know, he'd lead worship. Um, And so when he did his degree, he was being older. He had gone, moved to Nashville, had worked in sort of the Nashville Christian publishing music world and realized that he needed some theological grounding because here he is being asked to look at all these lyrics and really check if they're like, are these, or what is what we're saying in this, this music like legitimately biblical. Is this what we really want to say? And he was like, I don't know. (laughs) So he went back to seminary to get that education. And so, I mean, it was right out of poor guy met me and then we got married and, you know, did the family thing and moved to Georgia. So part of Georgia was really um, figuring out how to put feet under this thing of music and ministry. Um, I will say it's a really hard place to make a living or it can be. It's also a really, um, difficult thing to do 
as an older person, he's a little older in the game. So actually he ended up when we had our second daughter. So mercy is our first and promise is our second. And then we had a hope who we did not know. That was a, that was like a beautiful surprise. Um, when promise was a year old, he went back to school to become a physician assistant. So he did a huge career change at 42, 43. So that's what he does now is he is a, a physician assistant and a songwriter. He holds both intention. So it's pretty cool. And so you're also an author. You're also a life coach. So then six months ago, you sold your house, you packed up was, but you took the made to do this coaching with Kathy Heller, as did I in September of 2020. Like what, I guess, you know, had what I get, I, can I talk No, but <laughs> I'm trying to get a word out. It's not coming, but like what influenced you to do that? Like what was yeah. that impetus? So oddly enough, Joseph had taken Kathy's six figure songwriting class about a year before. <gasps> so he had taken that because he was really trying to develop his business in sync music, which is what she teaches how to become an artist for like film, TV commercials. So he took out that class. Okay. And then we read the book and we listened to her podcast and we were totally on board. And so when she did her five day Facebook challenge, I was like, I'm gonna, we love Kathy. I'm just going to jump in and do this. I'm just going to learn. And then I connected with one of the mentors, Kimberly Crossland, and was just like, I really want to do this. I really want to, but financially, honestly, Wendy, I was like, I know. how am I going to do this? Same. Oh, you yes. know, I just was like, Oh, so I went to Joseph and said, I, you know, I'm a home, I homeschool my kids. And so I just was like, I've been pouring, I've been pouring, I've been pouring. I really think it's time for me to figure out again, to re-remember like, what am I meant to be doing in this world bag Nabbit? Like I, I'm ready. And he was like, you have supported me through so like, let's do it. We're going to figure it out. Let's do it. So I signed up and was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm here. And um, it was through that class that I published the book, the children's book, because of another friend who offered something. She was offering intuitive coaching for, for book writers. And I was like, let's well, send her something totally different. And I couldn't get it off my computer. I was like, I'll send you this kid's book. She was like, you have to have to get this out. She's the reason I published the book in the middle of made to do this. When I was supposed to be doing all this other stuff, I was like, I'm gonna do this. So that's why I did it. And it was really life-changing for me. Yeah. Are you, um, I know for me, uh, it was, I, I think it was day four. And she said, you're going to have a session with Martha Beck. And at that point, I mean, I'm a single mom of three boys at the time we were living in a two bedroom, 900 square foot apartment Mm -hmm. and it's the pandemic. And I have three boys at three schools and everybody's doing remote. My oldest has special needs. And so even just getting him to do his homework was like an act of God. Right. And then trying to keep the others motivated. So I, when she said Martha Beck, cause I had been reading, you know, that um, magazine, um, what is it? Simple or, you know, and she always had an article in there and I, and I knew it was a huge financial commitment. But I just did it because, you know, I think internally, didn't you feel it? You were like, this speaks to me and um, I've got to do this. So did you still um, like really keep in touch now with your pod or did you utilize that as a resource? I mean, where are you now with that? Yeah, we continue to meet for as long as we really were able, which was probably I'd say consistently, maybe three months. And then uh, I still keep in touch with all of, most all of them through some form, Instagram, Facebook. One of them is actually, I teach artists the artist way. I, I just facilitate that as one of the things that I do. And one of my pod mates is in it with me right now. So it's really neat because we, we get to keep in touch because it's kind of part of what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those women, right at the end of May to do this, we experienced a pretty big family trauma. My, my husband um, was working at the VA as a physician assistant. He got COVID. It ended up uh, going into his brain and he had what's called a um, acute psychosis where he didn't know, he didn't know left from right for about five days and he was in the hospital and it was my pod mates. 
that really supported me through that. And then I had also in me to do this started, I was like, I'm going to teach the artist way. I opened it up and I had six people sign up almost all of the four of them from the artist way and two from my hometown from the town I was living in, you know, that thing of, you don't know what you need. Like, you don't know why you're doing the things you're doing. Yeah. And then something happens. You're like, Oh, those were the people that showed up for me in the middle of this pandemic. These were zoom friends that I had never met in real life. Yeah. And they became my weekly rocks, yeah. you know? Um, so it's funny because made to do this for me, it was like, Oh, I'm going to teach a writing class. And it was, became so personal. Um, and so necessary. All right. I, I want to go back to me to do this, but please tell me, how did your husband get out of this um, psychotic state that he was in? Like, did he, like, what happened? Yeah, it was wild. So he, we now, we kind of now know, um, and they're starting to realize that COVID affects the brain, just like it affects so many other things that we're still learning about. But just like if you think of other viruses, scarlet fever and things like that, that go into your brain and cause you essentially your brain to swell. He, um, it's about a five day swing. So it was actually, we're hit almost to the one year mark. It happened two days after Christmas last year. Well, they, so hyperverbalism, um, a number of other things. Remember he's a medical provider. So, right. you know, sometimes I think it's harder with medical providers because you just think, well, they know what they're doing. Right, right. And it, uh, it culminated in an episode where he ended up, um, like running out of our house screaming. And we had uh, EMS and EMT there and they had to take a sedate him and take him to the hospital. And, and I've got my three girls in the house and it's two days after Christmas and I'm in my jams and we're in the park and it was crazy. Um, and then once they got him in there and sedated him, I mean, from the onset, everybody in the hospital was like, you're it's six weeks after you've had COVID and you're still testing positive. Um, you're completely exhausted. He was working for the VA and they were trying to vaccinate everyone in the clinic. And so it was just really crazy time and it's holidays and stuff. So then over time, you know, the episode wore off and we, by the grace of God, had great providers. We had um, a therapist, psychiatrist. And so they just walked him through it. We had a great team of people that said, hey, what you've experienced is both totally understandable in the context of COVID and both most likely never going to happen to you again. We really believe this is just was an in like, um, so I don't want to call it encephalitis because that's not the right term, but like a swelling. And now you're kind of coming out of this and, and he's been doing great. And so that was even part of our desire to travel it was like, we have to reorient here. This has been too crazy. We're going to take our family and circle the wagons and, and heal. And so we, have Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I'm so grateful he's here, Me you know, like, well. um, <laughs> and and I do find that even my pod, we have a WhatsApp and occasionally we'll be like, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? Checking in. We're fine. You're good. Um, and I've never met them, but um, I know I'm getting emotional because they're just the most amazing women. Um, it's truly beautiful. And so here you had this life changing Oh, excuse me. Um, this life-changing event. And so how do you plan? Like, I mean, it was two days after Christmas. And so once he's on the other side of this and the swelling's gone and he's back to baseline, I don't want to say normal because I know there's something called long COVID and yep. people like there's just fog and everything. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so then how did you initiate a conversation or where did the idea come to sell the house? Like, did you sell all your belongings? Is everything in storage? <laughs> I know. Right. Um, we'd had this dream for a while and we'd actually tried to sell our house multiple times before. And the market, we lived in a pretty unique little place outside of Atlanta and the market was a little, it was just wild, you know? And so we, Every time, two other times we tried to sell, it just didn't happen. Our people came in with super low ball offers and we're like, this is silly. So we take it, took it off the market. Well, when this happened, you know, at first we just wanted kind of to get away, right? We just kind of wanted to get away and heal. And it was like, well, what are we going to do? And then it became kind of an opportunity. Like, well, maybe this is the time, you know, our daughters are these ages and <clears throat> the oldest has one more, well, at the time, two more years until high school. Like, maybe we just need to do this. And so we said, let's try one more. Let's put our house in the market with a real. Let's just try one more time. Well, we got an offer before we even listed. 
And it was a high enough offer because of this wackadoo market that we just decided to go for it. So we, um, we sold the house, we paid off debt, which was one of those things that was holding us back. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we used the rest of the money and just said, here we go. And so we, we, the way we lived, our home was small. It was a two bedroom, one bath little farmhouse. Most of our furniture was either gifted or handed down or goodwill. That's kind of how we are. And so we stored a couple things and the rest, we just sold or gave away or whatever. And we bought this travel trailer and truck and hit the road. So. Okay. So I hope this question is not too like evasive, but there are no evasive questions for me. Okay. How do you make a living? Yeah. Like, okay. Good question. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. So we had a a certain amount of money from the sale that we just knew we were going to live off of. That's kind of what we did. So that was a huge blessing for us. And we really felt like with kind of the trauma of what had happened, that was really a gift from God just to be able to take this time and reconnect because it was traumatizing for the whole family. You know, this, our, our girls, it was a really hard season. Um, And then past that, we were like, okay, And then past that, let's hope and pray that we can create some income, some creative income. So for me, that looked like continuing to write, continuing to coach. I edit books. So that's what I did. And then for my husband, he just threw all of his energy into songwriting and started trying to sell songs. And so has he been successful? Because Kathy definitely referenced that weekly in our implementation calls and content calls and everything that you know, you can get like $50,000 for a song for Walmart or whatever. Um, has he been successful in doing that? He has been wildly successful in continuing to show up. The hard thing is that you can't, you know, for some people it's the one-off and you get that one song and then, but I think the backstory is how many hours have those people put into that work? Right. Right. And so for us, he just keeps showing up and he's had tons of positive feedback, but the fat paycheck hasn't come yet. And so we're just continuing to show up. And so we're in Colorado Springs right now. My family lives here and we've decided to be here for the winter. It's like of all the places to winter in an RV where we lost our minds, you know, most people go to Florida or California, but we wanted to be near family. So we've winterized our little trailer and we're in monument and we made this maybe home. So he's reapplying to jobs as a PA. And so we were going that path and then I'm still doing my coaching and my writing and the hope, and he's still writing songs. And the hope is that with consistency, at some point, the paychecks will come. That's but, what Kathy said. She, you know, it is the showing up. up. you got to show up. So, and we're grateful that he has, still has his license and everything. So he can practice medicine anywhere we go, which is a real gift. So when you're, because the, the made to do this was only 12 weeks. And there was a caveat that at the end of the 12 weeks, you'll be monetizing something. <laughs> and, but the thing for me, um, I had a lot of, I guess, gunk to go through because I didn't believe in myself. I still struggle with that. And I'm just now getting to a place a year later where I feel comfortable in what I'm doing and I'm not concerned with what other people think, et cetera. So here you published a book in the middle of May to do this. When did you decide coaching and are you integrating your faith in the coaching? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So what was happening for me, one of the things I did made to do this is I, I don't, I don't really know why, but I like people a whole lot. It's just my thing. And so if there was a connecting point, I would just reach out to that person and say, I, I don't really have anything to offer you. I just want to hear your story. And that kept happening again and again and again. And finally, what came out of that is a lot of people would say to me, actually, you have a lot to offer. It's called empathy. And so would you please just continue to, can we keep talking? It was like, sure. I love hearing people's stories. And my girls make fun of me because almost every time I get off a call or a conversation with somebody, I'm like, you need to write a book. You need to write a book because everybody needs to write the dang book. Everyone's yes. got an incredible story. Yes. And we need all the stories. And so the other thing that kept coming up is it didn't matter the faith tradition. We always talked about faith in those conversations and it didn't matter the background. And I think there's this idea that like, so I'm Christian. And so I can only connect with people that believe what I believe. And and I really just broke that barrier because I had friends that I talked to that were Taoist. I had friends that were agnostic. I had friends that were Jew. It didn't matter. 
No, it doesn't. We have this baseline of like the ability to say, here's my story. And, and I tell mine and they tell theirs. And those people that got so vulnerable that were the ones I got to talk to when the crap hit the fan, they were there for me, right? They didn't have to have my story, but no. they listened to me. And so what came out of that, you know, made you do this, like you said, it was 12 weeks and then you're left going like, Ugh. I know it was intense. It was oh, intense. So like intense. Su- it was like summer camp. And then you go home and you're like, how do I reacclimate myself into reality? Yes. And then yeah. I want to make money somehow. Like I, my mm-hmm. thing was with made to do this is I now remember this was before everything happened with my husband. Yeah. I saw how hard he was working. I was like, I want to contribute financially. I want to take the pressure off. Man, then we realized how much we needed that. I mean, it was so, okay. Made to do this was that 12 weeks. I think we ended, did we end in December? I don't remember. First week of December. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We ended the first week of December. I published my book two weeks later. My husband had his episode a week and a half, two weeks later. And I turned 42 weeks later. So it was like, okay. And so then I was left going, okay, now what? But what happened in that sort of incubation period when everything was so intense and I was teaching the artist way and um, was I realized two things. I'm highly interested in spirituality and faith and I'm highly interested in creativity. And those two are inextricably linked. You really don't have one without the other. If you want to have a creative revival, you have a spiritual revival. If you want to have a spiritual revival, you get creative. There's just something about those two that intertwines. And that was the theme that kept coming up when I would meet with people how much their faith or their experience with something bigger than themselves informed something they wanted to do in the world, whether it was write a book or create a dance group, or, I mean, it was always linked. And so I started to really kind of play with that. And, um, what came up for me was one, I teach the artist way because it's a spiritual creative path and it helps people understand and get free from blocks that tell them they can't create in the world or can't show up in the world. And two, I really like getting into the nitty gritty with people. So like, for instance, right now I'm coaching a gal who's written this beautiful memoir and she's so close to being done. So we're working through it piece by piece because I want to see that get into the world. Cause it's, I mean, when I say it's beautiful, it's like beautiful. Um, and that's what lights me up. Like, that's kind of it. Um, are you, are you monetizing that? Like, are you charging people? Yes, I am charging people. So when I coach, I mean, and I have, I have people in my life that are like, that's great. You need to charge three times as much. Okay, fine, fine, fine. You know, I get that. But I was the person that had things inside of me that really needed somebody to come along and say, I see this connection in you. I wouldn't have afforded. I mean, like it was a huge push to do Kathy's class. Right. Um, So yes, I do charge people. My artist way group, people pay for a 12 week course. Um, my one-on-one, I, I get paid for editing and I get paid for the one-on-one time. Um, I think at some point this will turn into some sort of a, I'm still working that out. Like I, I'm still figuring out what that's going to look like long-term. Um, I'm starting in January program to become a Benedictine spiritual director, which is just the idea that you help connect people. You give them tools to kind of dig deeper into their faith life. And so it's, it's out of the Benedictine is a Christian tradition, but it's like, once again, doesn't matter your background, we're going to work through this together. Um, so I hope at some point that that will be connected into all this, but here's the thing, Wendy, I don't have, I don't like, I have these pieces, right? I got the pieces. It's going to be time and showing up that tells me, okay, what's next? How does this fall into place? I'm just trying to trust the process at this point. Okay. Time you live in a 30 foot trailer with four other people. You said you have a hundred pound dog and a cat. Yep. Homeschool your kids. Right. There's that. Um, you're living in Colorado right now. <clears throat> Excuse me. In winter. Um, not that bad this year. It's not that bad this year. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet. That's what everybody says. Oh my gosh. I remember when I lived there that it could snow in June and you'll be golfing that afternoon. Like <laughs> the weather is crazy. So you're saying when, when are you, when is this like an online program you're doing or when is there time for that, Jamie? Because yeah, it's an online program. Wow. <laughs> it is an online program. It's uh, mostly reading and then it's like 10 hours a week. So okay. it's not, it's very, um, there are people that do it all over the world and they, they are definitely geared to working folks. So okay. um, through the process, I get a spiritual director that I, that walks beside me to show me what that looks like. And spiritual director can sound really woo-woo. 
all it is. Like a mentor. It's a mentor. It's, a mentor. Right? it's like yeah. a therapist. They're considered kind of, um, like, um, gosh, I can't think of the word now, but like a therapist, they, their job is to listen to you and to say, have you thought about this book? Can I recommend this, you know, contemplative tool? Is there something we, it's not, um, it, it's very much just sitting with people. It's empathy again. That's what it, it's empathy. Um, so yeah. And the homeschooling, I'm a wild fan of very gentle homeschooling and a lot of creative, again, the creative thing, a lot of creative time kids outside the box. So, um, that gives us flexibility. And because now my husband's probably going to start working again here full-time pretty soon. So that's going to, we're going to shift again, but he's been super helpful as he's been off work and we've traveled because, um, he's been able to fill a lot of gaps. So can I ask another question? I meant to ask it early on. This is not a linear interview and I'm so sorry. I, I don't like them. So this is perfect. All right. Yay. How did you find a trailer and how did you know what you wanted? Yeah. How do you winterize a trailer? Yeah. Like, oh my uh, Google, it's called Google. Um, <laughs> the almighty Google. So when my husband really got to the point where we were like, okay, you're well, mm-hmm. here we are. Let's make some wise decisions. We just started doing a lot. I mean, we listened to podcasts and watch YouTube videos there were some people on Instagram that kind of traveled full time. And I would literally DM them and be like, I just need some of your time. Can I just need to know what, how you did this. And everyone, and really they responded. Generous. Everyone was really generous. And then there's a whole movement of people. There's this Facebook group, full-time families, like people are doing this left and right. So there's this whole community. Um, so I kind of dug into those resources. The thing about what travel trailer we were going to get was so hard. I was like, do we get an RV? Do we pull a car? how big is too big? How small is too small? We have five people. Again, a lot of this was just like, okay, God, this is all I got. You got out because I, I, this is all I got. So do you drive? I mean, maybe I'm not understanding, but you don't have a car that you tow, do you? So here's what we ended up doing. We ended up buying a truck. So we've got the truck. Okay. And then we have the 31 foot trailer that hitches to the truck. So wherever we are, the trailer can just stay and we can take the truck when we want to go to the grocery and stuff like that. Well, because somehow I had in my mind, you're, you're driving this thing to Kroger or King Supers or people whatever. Do it. Okay. People do it. You know, right. I like to get like a small RV, but we've got five people and a dog and a cat. So ours is 31 feet. So it's got bunks in the back for the girls and we have a little bedroom and then there's 10 feet of living space in between us. Um, it does. It, what it does is it one forces you to get outside more, which is good. Yes. Yes. Um, I will not say that my girls don't fight because that would be a lie. Um, but we, you know, we're navigating it and we've seen multiple national parks and they've learned how to be flexible. They know how to change the tire on the side of the road. They've learned, I've learned, forget what they've learned, Wendy. I learned that nothing's a crisis. Everything is solvable, you know? And I, I, we, we got, we got the travel trailer. We got the truck. We kind of practiced for a few weeks in Georgia. And then we were going to come straight out to Colorado for a family reunion. My whole first time in years, my sister, all her kids, the spouses, my parents, me, my kids, and we're on our way. And in Kansas, like nine o'clock at night, our car breaks down on the side of the road. And I automatically being the very mature person that I am start bawling, we're not going to make it to the reunion. They're all going to know we're failures. What have we done? You know, my husband's just like, I know. Okay. Take a breath. First of all, the kids are watching you. So Sim Sim Sima. Uh-huh. of all not a crisis we have roadside assistance we're going to do the next right thing what's the next right thing we're going to put out the cones we're going to make sure wendy our car ran out of gas because our old truck's gas gauge didn't work all the way i'm like this car blew up and we just ran out of gas so what did we do we towed it we had someone look at it we got a hotel it was an adventure we got back on the road so i learned like can we just like slow down and not make everything crazy and about how much of a failure I am and how everyone's going to know that I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I learned some lessons. That's, that's the old voice before made to do this. Okay? That's right. That's, that's right. right. And I too have, um, now being a single mom, I am acutely aware that my boys watch me and they have um, digested my, you know, intensity of stress. And I've had to deprogram them a little bit and be like, just because mommy's a weirdo and totally stressed out, doesn't mean <laughs> you need to absorb my stress. Yeah. Um, and I try to explain to them why and things like that. But um, 
What a gift for them. Yeah. It's, I mean, that whole, I still like listen to her podcasts and go back to the information and it's just, it it just came at the right time. Didn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it really did. It really did. So where, okay. You're going to be starting this program in January. You might be living in Colorado Springs from here on out. It's possible. So there's a town in the mountains called Evergreen and my husband just, Ah! do you know Evergreen? You know, you know everything about Colorado. Okay. So he was offered a job up there as a PA, which is great. But remember we moved from Georgia where the house prices are like this to Colorado and then there's Evergreen. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's like, so we are, um, we are figuring that out right now. It's like, okay, if this, and this is just kind of how we've been living for the last six months. If this is what's meant to be, it's going to be provided for. I have stopped this crazy. I used to live so much in my brain and I had to plan yep. every little thing. And then I had to think about worst case scenarios. I don't do that anymore. I'm like, nope. The worst thing that could have happened in my life pretty much happened, which was watching my husband lose his mind in public and see the police come and take it. I mean, all the things, right? Awesome. It's like, there are so many scenarios as a married woman of like, what could happen that could be really awful? Like that was not on my radar at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, we, and we lived and we lived. So now everything else is like, if we're going to move to evergreen, I don't have to worry about where we're going to live because it's going to be taken care of. It is. So it there's is. just a whole surrender. A surrender has my 40th birthday present was my tattoo, my surrender <gasps> tattoo. Oh. It's my mantra now. Yeah. I have no control. I control my response. I control, you know, I, I have these handholds throughout my day, but the idea that somehow I cosmically control what's going to happen in my life, it's just, I don't buy it anymore because I've lived the flip side. Yeah. Yeah. I would think that I, I could do that too, but um, I haven't, I'm getting there. I'm getting there, but it, I'm not quite um, there. Um, I've had um, like my siblings and parents are no longer alive. Mm. And so I had lost them within an 11 year span mm. and two very suddenly and two not. And I'm the youngest of three kids. And so um, I'm still trying to move forward from not trying to control everything. And I know that that was something that um, was an outcome of, of losing them is that you try to control all these moving pieces and you only drive yourself crazy. So, yeah. That many people that quickly though, I don't think anybody would respond with anything, but oh my God. Yeah. How well, do I hold these things together. I'm so sorry. It's um, well, they are buried in Denver, so I do try and come out and chill with them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I totally hear the housing issue too because we tried to move out there um, when it was my then husband and two kids, and now we have three kids, you know. Um, and for what we would get in Cincinnati was a one bedroom, one bath town home in Colorado. And here we were able to buy a four bedroom, three bath home in Cincinnati for the same price. And it was just like a no brainer and we just couldn't do it. Um, But I didn't have your maturity or your outlook. I was still like, (laughs) I was chasing my tail going, "Ah, ah," you know, but. um, I don't know if it's maturity as much as just giving up. No, look at your tattoo right now. (laughs) Look at your tattoo. It's sort of like serenity now. Serenity now. I'm like, surrender. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So how have your girls been adjusting? Like, Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a lot of change for them because it was so first of all, it was the only house they had known, at least the younger two, the older one was three when we moved in there. It was their neighborhood. You know, COVID had changed a lot because the community that we had lived in was pretty tight and COVID sort of, everyone just kind of receded into their own spaces, you know, as, as we all did. And um, so it had already shifted a lot. There was already a lot of loneliness and a lot of like, who can play, who can't play. It was just really hard for, I know across globally. So that I think set the stage for us to be able to unplug a little bit 
better in some ways. Um, but certainly when everything happened with my husband, I mean, that's traumatic. And so there was a lot to work through there. And then once we made the decision that we were going to do this traveling thing, there was this kind of combination for them of both excitement and total, just like, but we're leaving home. And, and they knew that we are, we were not planning to necessarily come back to Georgia at open-handed things. But our goal was to get near family. I mean, that was, we're like, we've never lived near grandparents. We've got grandparents in Colorado and Oregon and my sister and some other family in California. So we kind of knew these were targets. Um, I will say though they miss friends dearly back home, they had like two, each of them had like two really good friends, two or three really good friends that they keep in touch with. There's something about being near family that has just sort of gotten them to this place of like, okay, we'll go visit our friends. But like, again, we've never had this. We've never spent holidays with family. We've never, we've, so um, they're doing well in the context of kind of this new possible move. The other thing was my husband was working so much and so hard as a PA during the pandemic, even before, I mean, he worked at the VA in Atlanta, which is like the largest Southeast hospital. And he worked lots and there was high stress. So I felt like there were a few years where we just didn't, there was just a real hard chance of connecting. Like they, it was a struggle for my girls and my husband to, I mean, they connected, but there was also just, it was hard, a lot of tension. This trip I've seen things happen with my girls and my husband that just weren't there before. Like my oldest, she and my husband just have this person. I think they're walking down the street holding hands now. I mean, there's just some, there's something about that intentionality of spending that time together that it healed things. And so in this big world picture, like I hate what happened to our family, right? It was really hard, but I also am so grateful for what's come out of it, um, which nobody could have orchestrated that outside of God. So, you know, there's that idea that the things that are hard for us can ultimately lead to some real good. Um, again, it was like real hard, like not the kind that I say lightly, like, Oh, now it's all good. But I think some good things have come from that. Do you know what I mean? I do. Like, and everything works for the good. And I'm like, no, no, no. I didn't, I had days I didn't want to get out of bed. Like I had days I didn't know that I wanted to keep moving forward. I had days where it was like, if I got up and didn't cry all day, we made it. And I was one parent. I had a husband healing. And then my, so I don't say that lightly is my point, Um, but we've made it to the other side. And there's something about that. Yeah. It's very sacred. Yeah. That's a great word. It's exactly, that gave me chills when you said that it is exactly that. It's so funny that um, I agree with you completely about different faiths and everything. I grew in my faith and I'm more observant in my Jewish faith. And Mm -hmm. I have always wanted to uh, write a book called God's Girls. And I know I had mentioned that. And so maybe we can collaborate and just really like interviewing different women and how they came to where they are in their faith. Um, and how they are sustained in life. And I mean, I listen to you and I'm like, oh, wow. You know, like I don't need to control anything, you know, and I do believe that, you know, God will provide. I do. Um, and I need to do my part and, and he'll keep showing up and I'll keep showing up. And, um, it may not look like what I think it should look like, but, Right. But I'm going to yep. be open to these blessings that yeah. are just going to come. Right. Yeah. And so maybe when, you know, the holidays are over, we can connect a little bit. I don't have any idea how to write a book. No idea. I was an English major, but barely. Yay! Oh my God. Oh my God. No, barely. Oh my That's God. Okay. My we'll take it. All right, girl. Oh my God, God, there were some classes I took three times and I was just like, (laughs) just because I like to read doesn't mean I need to be an English major. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, I would love to collaborate because I find that there are way more similarities than there are differences. Same. And uh, one of my dear friends, Khadija is Muslim and we met through the YMCA, which she calls the UN of the United States. You know, the place where all, where all faiths meet the YMCA. Yep. Yep. And um, she's become one of my dearest friends and we talk and the, she has five daughters. I have three and they talk about the similarities in scripture, but they also, we also talk about the fact that me knowing her faith is actually strengthened. Like, I don't believe what she believes. Yeah. She knows that none of us are trying to convert. No, There's no conversion. 
it's made me stronger in my faith. I like my faith. I'm really grateful for you. And I really like my faith. Exactly. We can have both. You can have have both. You don't have to denounce nothing. When you have a person in front of you, it changes everything. You just can't group people anymore. Yeah. My father graduated from a Jesuit college in Denver um, and it was run by nuns at the time. It, it was called Loretta Heights and now it's Regis University. Okay. And um, he would tell us stories about how he would just like razz the nuns. And I'm like, I don't think that's allowed, dad. You know, <laughs> here you are, you know, oh my gosh. But he had the greatest time. He, um, you know, went back. He was uh, 45 when he graduated and, you know, it was just like, and then that's one of the lessons he conveyed to us, my brother, my sister, myself, is that, you know, we have the same God, we practice in different ways. And, you know, so how can people, because obviously I'm inspired, we're going to continue this relationship after the holidays for sure, but you need to focus on all that goodness. And I'm sure we need to defrost our turkeys. Uh-huh, yeah, we're actually um, working on that right now. Yep. Oh my goodness. So how would people find you? Because as a empath, it's a, it's a tremendous gift mm-hmm. to be able to connect with individuals as they are right now. And then also see their light, see their potential. And so people are going to want to tap into you. Mm-hmm. Are you on Instagram, Facebook? Like what's your, what's your handle? So um, I am on Instagram as Jamie Summer Handley. That's my middle name. Um, I used to be on there as Monastic Mamas, kind of out of Kathy's class. I started oh, with yeah. Monastic Mamas. That was me. And recently I've pulled that back to just my name because I think at some point I, I will start a community, but I wanted it to be, I'm still working on that. So Jamie Summer Handley, that's also me on Facebook. I'm way more active on Instagram. That's just kind of where I like to hang out. Um, yeah. I am totally open to people emailing me. My email is monasticmamas at gmail.com. Can you spell um, that? Because I'm even sure though I was can. an English major, I can't spell. Okay, go for you, it. It's not a common vernacular word. And right. some people read it and go monastic. I'm like, I know it sounds awful. Coming out of the tradition of contemplatives that lived in monasteries. That's why it's monastic. Oh, so Jesuit, Benedictine, these are the things that I love. So M-O-N-A-S-T-I-C, monastic mamas at gmail.com. Um, nice. And so, yeah, I would say right now I'm still kind of refining what in the world I'm doing in this, in this world, uh, writing more kids books and definitely coaching one-on-one. And I have these artist way groups, but I'm trying to kind of figure out how I can put all these pieces together. Um, and I'm, I would love to work. I'm working on a book with another gal. That's a friend of mine from seminary about, uh, Christian artists. I would love to do about I love collabs. So like, if you ever want to write something together, I'm like a huge fan of women working together. There's just like a power in that. And I, I don't know how that works, but there's just something real powerful in that. So I agree. I tend to work with women, honestly, all my coaching clients are women. It's not because I've said like, I only work with women. That's just my wheelhouse. Right. Um, Yeah. So that's where I tend to get more of my, my clients. So yeah. Amazing. Oh my gosh. I'm so grateful you took this time um, to meet with me. I know you're two hours behind me, so you're coming up on dinner or something or it's awfully, it's awfully quiet. I'm like, where's the fam? Well, here's the beauty of for the first time in my life, life living near my family. This is my mother's office. So, cause right. I'm in a trailer. So this is my mom's office in their house. So my children are with my parents doing God knows what something wonderful. I'm sure. and so I'm liking this right now very much. Okay. This okay. I will know for the last 15 years, Wendy. So right. I'm taking it in. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for taking Thank you for time. the invitation. This has been really, really precious. And I'm really Absolutely. glad to it, I, I feel like this was exactly what I needed today. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really grateful too. Thank you so much. And yeah. so when you come to Colorado next time, then oh, totally hooking up. That's right. And get absolutely you, can, you know all the places. So you can tell me where we need to go. Oh my gosh. Place. I have a friend in Colorado Springs too that I'll connect Ooh. you with. That'd be great. 
Oh yeah. my gosh. I hope you're not offended. I am a huge coffee drinker, but I am drinking water right now. Same because it's almost bedtime. Because it's almost bedtime and I'm 40. And this thing happens where <laughs> if I have caffeine past like four o'clock, yeah. I'm not a nice person the next day. No, it's so all good. I just, you know, next time we'll meet in the morning and I'll get my coffee. hundred percent. I just turned 50. So yeah. Holly girl, how do you look so good? You turned 50. What are you talking you about? The face of a this? teenager. Oh Stop God, it. You, Wendy, you have oh no wrinkles. Do you see this? One of my, can I tell you something? Oh Let me tell you something so funny. One of my 12 year old daughter's friends who I dearly love. She's a precious girl. Super honest. She goes, your mom kind of reminds me like of that character, Kylo Ren in star Wars. You know how the guy that's really wrinkled. And I was like, I won't say the child's name on this, but I was like, it is a good thing. I love you because otherwise, what what, what am I going to do? What do I care? The honesty. So I'm just saying you got the blank. You got the blank. Mm. blank Okay. So let's digress for another moment. So whenever when I told you, like, I used to be trying to control everything. So I wouldn't have to experience so much loss. Um, so suddenly, so, um, I used to have two lines here that was called the 11. And so my ex-husband would, when I was married, he'd be like, what's with the 11? (laughs) What 11? And I mean, there was almost a point where it was just like grooved in there. And so now I'm like, all right, I don't need 11. It's so do we relax? Is that, how do we do this? I have no idea. I use a lot of night cream. Okay, I'm going to start. My daughter will sit next to me at my four-year-old and go like this. Oh. Thanks, baby. Keep doing it. Maybe it'll do something. Oh my God. I'll ask my youngest son. I'll be like, can you help me? But I have this box box. So like everybody. Oh, that's funny. That's just my, and my 12 year old likes to do this. I'm like, if you touch it again I, and she'll, have you seen hook? Have you seen the movie hook? A long time ago, yeah. Okay, yeah. There's a scene where the little boy goes like this to where I'm laying this. There you are, Peter. My daughter, because he's like, and my daughter, I'm like, I'm going to smack you. You need to stop it. Oh, but see, this is something that all the women in my family have. Oh, and okay. remember those Easter commercials um, for like candy or something? And I don't know, it's this kid that goes, thank you, Easter bunny, bok bok or something. And so when we were growing up, you know, my grandma, my great grandma. And then when my mom were like, oh, you got the bok bok. Now, now God is like, you got the bok bok. It comes around. I got the bok bok right here. I'm going to, oh. what I've decided is that all of these are just my markers of wisdom. Sure. Oh, mm-hmm. not even doing that. So you know what? We're just going to yeah. take it. We're just going to take it. Be great. Oh my goodness. So I've recorded this little, um, you know, whatever. So you are people, allowed to use whatever you want. You know what? I'm not, a, my 12 year old helps me edit. That's um, awesome. because, yeah. Because I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I hope people enjoy this. We obviously celebrate ourselves through coffee and I agree. We cannot have any past 3 PM, um, for the safety <laughs> of others, yeah. but, um, this is going to be amazing. So I, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving. You as well, my Very friend. grateful for this connection. And I look forward to working with you. I really, really do. Have a lovely evening. You too.